You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, author of Working Like Dogs, and my co-host, my service dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled that you could be with us today to talk about our favorite subject, working animals and working dogs. Today, our guest is Anthony Ramon, and Anthony is a canine instructor and master trainer with the New Mexico Department of Corrections. So we're going to take a quick message from our loyal, loving sponsors, and we'll be right back with Anthony Ramon. So come back and join us. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Pawfume Dog Grooming and Finishing Spray is proud to be a new sponsor of Pet Life Radio. Pawfume Super Long Lasting Sprays are available in four unique fragrances. Each Pawfume spray is fortified with the finest conditioners and detanglers to make combing out your dog more fun. Pawfume retails for only $2 per 6 ounce bottle. Pawfume is available nationwide at all Dollar General and Family Dollar stores. Why pay more to have your dog smell great? Pawfume, P-A-W-F-U-M-E. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. Teacherspetsessions.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From speed drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition, this is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, Anthony, and thank you for joining us at 
Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. How are you today? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, you are a dog person from the word go. I mean, you're a master trainer for the New Mexico Department of Corrections. Tell us, how did you become a dog trainer? I started my career. I've been training dogs uh, for 15 years now. I started my career uh, growing up training uh, bird dogs and hunting dogs. Uh, then I went to the, after that, I went to the United States Air Force and uh, I was a dog handler out there and worked my rank up to uh, instructor and trainer. Um, so that's what really got me started working with working dogs. And uh, after that, I uh, left the United States Air Force and uh, worked for a, a, a canine academy called Global Canine Academy. And that's where I got my specialty as far as explosive detection, demining dogs, and uh, odor-specific uh, training. Uh, and then after 9-11, I was in high demand, do my expertise working with explosive detection dogs, and uh, trained most of the uh, Department of Energy uh, canines uh, for explosive detection and helped different private agencies for explosive detection of their nuclear facilities. And after that, came to the Los Alamos National Laboratories, worked a couple of years out there, and uh, next year now I was, I was located by the New Mexico Department of Correction there to come uh, become their master trainer out here and uh, revamp their canine program. Wow, so, that's uh, awesome. Well, tell us more about the dogs. How do you get the dogs for the Department of Corrections? I've always been curious about that. Okay. Most of our dogs are imported. We import most of our dogs uh, through uh, Germany, Holland. Uh, we, like, we have different brokers that pick dogs for us, and we mostly import most of our working dogs. Occasionally, we'll get phone calls from the public concerning a good line, a good bloodline, people that really think that, uh, that their dog that they have at the house is a working quality dog, and we'll go out there and evaluate it. And uh, we love taking those civilian dogs uh, to uh, to put them through our canine academy. Uh, but mostly it's through overseas or through luckily, you know, local local breeders. That is so cool that you have your own canine academy and that you can take dogs from civilians and and people who want to donate a really awesome dog. So when you do that, Anthony, what kind of characteristics do you look for? in those dogs to make them a good canine for law enforcement? Uh, we go through a series of tests, evaluation tests. We check out their drives, uh, the temperament. It's a rigorous two-day process that we, we, we go through it with the dog to make sure that particular dog will pass our canine academy. Uh, our canine academy is, is very rigorous. Uh, some of the dogs do make it, some do not. But a majority of them do uh, come out uh, successful throughout through the academy uh, but we look for different we're not just looking for the breeds of course we use German Shepherds the Belgian Malinois Dutch Shepherds Labs Golden Retrievers Rottweilers some of that sort uh, but most most of our is our main category of dog is probably the German Shepherd and the, and the uh, Belgian Malinois 
Okay, yeah. Well, that's certainly the dogs that I see mostly out <laughs> on TV or out in public. But I was just amazed at all the different things that you were telling me that your dogs can do. I mean, you train them for all different types of jobs, yeah. like search and rescue, like odor right. detection. Tell us about some of those different types of skills that your dogs have. Definitely, definitely. Uh, our canines go through a series of, of, of disciplines. Uh, we have every, most of our dull, uh, the dogs that belong to the New Mexico Department of Correction, they're dual-purpose dogs. Uh, they do narcotic detection and patrol and apprehension and tracking. Uh, so they have those kind of disciplines on them. Uh, we also have uh, our new line of detection dogs, our cell phone detection dogs, and solely all they do is cell phone detection program. They go through the, the prisons throughout the state and, and look for cell phones behind the uh, what we call the walls of the uh, prison system. And uh, we do have some cadaver dogs that we use, our bloodhound program, uh, or trackers or man trailers, and our cadaver dog certified bloodhounds that we utilize. Wow, so can a dog have multiple skills, or do you find that the dogs are better with one job, like the cell phone detection only, or search and rescue only? Uh, we find out that most of our patrol and apprehension dogs, or of course narcotic certified, they prefer that field of work. Our cell phone detection dogs, that's all they do is cell phone detection, and uh, our, our bloodhounds, of course, are our tracking dogs, our expert trackers, and cadavers, uh, we, we try to put multi-task on them, but due to our involvement with law enforcement and that sort, uh, that's why we use just solely cell phone detection dogs uh, for their their ability just to locate cell phones, because that dog is specifically useful in the prison system only. Right, right. So tell us about your your canine force in the prison system. What Describe that for us. Well, the canines are a very, very useful tool, resource that we have. They are used for uh, as a huge deterrence in the criminal uh, aspects uh, due to the fact that these dogs are, they've, every prisoner has seen these, these canines work in action. They, they know what they're capable of doing. And it's a huge deterrence. Uh, we use these canines for any kind of narcotic interdiction to the facility. Uh, we use these dogs for roadblock operations. So they're a very useful tool. There's been times where we will be working roadblocks or staff or visitor searching uh, operations, and uh, they will see the dogs work and turn right back out, and they don't want to even deal with the roadblock at that time due to the fact that it's a huge deterrence for the criminal element. Right. And how do you pick your officers who get to work with the dogs? There is a screening process that is required for every canine handler. Uh, we require between two to five years line experience or law enforcement experience before you even apply for a canine officer. We uh, Also, the canine unit is part of the CERT team out here, so they're equivalent to a SWAT team, uh, team out here that, that we utilize the canines for. So they have to be part of the SWAT team or the CERT team. Uh, they have to be part of our STIU, which is our Security Threat Intelligence Unit, which is our gang unit. Uh, so the Keen Officer has a variety of different disciplines. Also, he's not just a Keen Officer. He's also a gang unit officer and a CERT team member. So that individual has to be 
definitely screened and to make sure they meet those kind of uh, categories. Right. So it's really your more advanced officers, it sounds like, definitely, that get, def- get the opportunity. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We'll have uh, applicants of 100, 150 applicants for that just one canine slot. Wow. It's a very uh, specialized unit. Wow. And then what happens after they get selected? Do they have to go through training in how to handle their dog? Definitely, yes, ma'am. They uh, they go through a canine academy, the attendee canine academy, which is an 8 to 12 week academy, and uh, they have to pass as a team. They have to do everything from take care of their dogs to daily inspection of them and the canine unit or the canine uh, they have to go through rigorous agility tests, uh, classroom exercise, field applications. So it's very demanding. Wherever they go, the canine must go with them. So uh, these guys have been known to take their, spend more time with their, their canine than they do sometimes with their family. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering about that. I was going to ask you if the officers get to take their dogs home with them or do they have to stay at the facility? The New Mexico Park Correction right now has uh, state-of-the-art kennels that we utilize for every for every canine statewide. There are indoor and outdoor kennels. Uh, they have air conditioning, climate control, so they're pretty well off taken care of in, in the kennel. But they are kennel dogs. We, every day the officer takes the dog uh, to the kennels and then retrieves the dog when he begins the shift. Ah, okay, okay. I wondered about that. That does make good sense that the, if they're kennel dogs and kennel trained. Mm-hmm. Wow, so they take so they know they're going to work when they get out of that kennel. Exactly. When they see us roll up to pick them up, they know it's, it's uh, working time. Yeah, I bet they're so excited. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, and let me ask you, so if somebody sees one of your dogs and your officers out in public, how should they, they shouldn't just run up and, and want to touch the dog, should they? That's correct. That's correct. These are working dogs. They're every dog, as far as the patrol dogs, uh, they are handler protective. Uh, they're not at the end of the leash growling or showing any kind of aggression, but they still have that safety zone between them and the officer, so they are very handler protective. Of course, we've had that in the past, and, and the officers are trained to be aware of their surroundings at all times and to instruct individuals uh, to keep their distance. And then with all the placard IDs these dogs have, as far as their ID vest, it right away tells you it's not a civilian dog, it's a working dog, police working dog. So most of the public does respect them. Right, that's great. I know that's a big problem for me having a service dog. Everybody wants to touch Whistle. And it's it's hard sometimes because it sends a different message to Whistle that because he is working and he's not supposed to be playing. So I know for me that's a really um, difficult situation I find myself in sometimes, but Whistle also is not a German Shepherd and and not with an officer, so it's a very different, very different situation. Yes, ma'am. And, and every can that we have for the department carries their own badge. Once they graduate the academy, we pin badges on them, so they are officers uh, as the aspect. We give them their badges and their credentials, So uh, and the public sees that, their big old their badge on their on their vest, and they know that that's an officer. Yeah, that is so cool that the dogs have badges too. That's really cool. Yes, and do they have a backpack that they wear? They wear mostly identification vests with, you know, their identification as far as patrol tracking dog uh, identification placards on. The only time we do put a a tracking pack on them is if we're going on a long track 
for fugitive apprehension type. Uh, they wore their own gear, which contains their own first aid kit, water bottles, some of that sort uh, for the dog and the handler. Right. I was wondering that if they were able to carry anything with them on their body that would be helpful to the officer, like water bottles or any other kinds of equipment that an officer might need out in the field. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So they do carry their own equipment. Uh, there's been times where uh, we've been involved with fugitive apprehension. And they'll drop us in the middle of the, of the forestry area to track a wanted fugitive. And, and uh, these officers have to carry their own gear, what they need out there. Wow. Well, this is so great visiting with you, Anthony, and we are going to take a quick break and hear some messages from our sponsors, and we'll be right back and we'll continue talking with Anthony Ramon about his experience as a canine instructor and master trainer after these quick messages. So please come right back and join us. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Give your dog some thought. With Dog Thoughts, it's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. No, it's true. I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Schools in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com.
Welcome back to Working Like Dogs at Pet Life Radio. We're visiting today with Anthony Ramon, a canine instructor and master trainer for the New Mexico Department of Corrections, and he's sharing his vast amount of knowledge with us, which we're so thrilled. And I've seen you guys do a lot of of public things, Anthony. Tell us, do you do a lot of community presentations? Yes, ma'am, we do. Uh, upon request, we will uh, do an anti-narcotic and anti-gang uh, program, uh, especially for schools and communities, where we educate the public about how these dogs are a very effective tool and resource that we use f- for the final drugs and, and keep our young youths out of uh, gang issues. Um, like I said earlier, that our keen officers are gang unit officers, so they know firsthand as far as gang identification, gang influence on the communities, tagging problems, stuff of that sort. But our officers are very willing to go out there and assist the community in whatever task. Uh, we, we get involved with any kind of fundraiser event. We do state fair, uh, the New Mexico State Fair, to give demonstrations and awareness. Uh, we're involved with our recruitment department, make sure we can recruit new officers for the New Mexico Department of Corrections. And uh, we're just really out there trying to help the public be aware of what we do and, and things that the, the officers do uh, with their dogs. Wow, that is so cool. So you're, so you're saying that any organization, any nonprofit organization, could invite your officers to come and do a demonstration? Definitely. They can put a request. And uh, we will send it to our authorities and uh, and see where we can go. It just depends on what kind of event it is, but more likely we will assist them any way we can. Well, that's so great because the more we can educate the public about working dogs and their jobs and, and how they help the public, that's just awesome. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We also do programs for communities where we've held classes for community as far as how to deal with aggressive dogs that the community may encounter on their walks or with their dogs and how to react and use precaution. And we teach the community how different techniques will work, uh, different canine-to-canine communication that you can provide into that kind of situation with your dog and what kind of tools are out there to deter a canine-to-canine aggression attack. We've done several classes for the community. Wow, that is so cool. And what would you what are some of the tips that you give people in those situations to de-escalate something like that? Tips such as uh, communication between canine and canine is, is probably gonna be that first reaction of that canine is to communicate with your dog and uh, we show them how to de-escalate the situation by preventing that communication. Uh, also to avoid the whole situation as much as possible. Uh, what to do if the dog doesn't encounter your dog, uh, how to react, um, how to make yourself look bigger, how to be the alpha dog within the whole situation or take control of the situation safely, of course, and just techniques like that, how to de-escalate as quickly as possible the mm-hmm. whole situation. Is it okay, Anthony, in your expertise, opinion, do you think it's okay for dogs when they first meet each other to greet each other by sniffing? How, what do you recommend for when two dogs, two stranger dogs, encounter each other? It really depends. I think it depends on the whole situation and, and the control factor, of course, on, on your dog. But I've seen cases where 
a lot of this communication de-escalates the whole situation, but I've also seen, on the other hand, where it increases the aggression. And most of the factor that I've seen is because of the leash problem is that we prevent that communication from one dog communicating with the other because of the leash. Ah, that's really interesting. So what do you recommend then to let them to take the leash off or what do you recommend? Well, each incident, it's different. I would say value each incident and, uh, you know, attending one of our classes, you can understand the behaviors of body language and then you can make your own evaluation based on that. But each situation is different. There's some times where I would recommend go ahead and have a loose leash uh, and then there's other situations depending on, on the body language, go ahead and take a different stance, stuff of that sort, uh, for this this threat, this canine coming in. Well, that is so interesting, Anthony, and I would love to take one of your classes because as a, a working dog team myself, Whistle and I are always out in public, and I have dogs approaching us, and I'm trying to read their body language to see how they're going to respond to him because I've had dogs try to attack my service dog in the past, and it's been really scary. That's awesome that you provide those classes. Are they free classes? As of right now, they are free classes that we offer to the community uh, to attend these courses on just basic dealing with aggressive canines. So they are. Yes, ma'am. Wow, that's great. Well, I have to ask you one question that I Mm -hmm. was thinking about when we were going to spend our time together today. So your job is to find contraband in the prison system. That is correct. What is the most dangerous item you've ever found or the most dangerous situation that you and your canine partner have found yourself in? Our canines are used for different disciplines, with four, and one of them is the location of contraband. We've located large amounts of, of narcotics coming in through either the mail system or visitors or, or anybody walking into the property with contraband on. Probably one of the most things was the introduction of parts to a firearm that was being delivered through the mail uh, for for the purpose of constructing their own firearm. Um, that's probably one of the most uh, concerns I've had, or one of the biggest issues that I've had, situations. But the most threatening situation is, of course, our canines can be used for riot control, so any kind of prison disturbance you know, canine will be there as a show of force. And uh, in those kind of situations, there's gas being deployed. Uh, they're, you know, they're riding, making noises, stuff of that sort. And that's where it really tests the courage of the handler and the, and the canine to really be put in that front line to apprehend, uh, you know, large number of inmates if necessary uh, to control that situation. Yeah, wow. That does sound like a very intense, stressful situation. And, and you're the dogs and the handlers need as much experience and confidence as they can to to be in those difficult situations. Wow. Well, and I thought it was really amazing that you have dogs now trained to detect cell phones. So tell us a little bit about that program and and how that works in the prisons. The cell phone detection program is something that we just started. Uh, We're training labs and gold retrievers for the introduction of cell phones, which is a contraband item for the prison system, these dogs are able to detect these components, several components within a cell phone that is unique to cell phones that they're able to detect and alert on. And these dogs are able to find it in in crevices and crannies, 
uh, mattresses, um, in water buckets, stuff of that sort, where inmates hide these cell phones from being detected by staff. Uh, we've and, even found components. Yeah, and tell our listeners, why, why do these inmates want these cell phones? What are they doing with them? Cell phones are a, a contraband due to the fact that they are not monitored cell phone conversations, and uh, inmates can use cell phones to threaten witnesses, judges, can make drug deals, you know, they can even put out murder contracts on individuals based on these cell phones that we cannot monitor. Uh, so it's a huge violation, it's a huge uh, security threat. And also, uh, some individuals have used cell phones to plan their escape, especially with the technology they have on cell phones with GPS abilities of that sort, that they can use these cell phones for a possible escape. Uh, so it's a huge uh, threat to security of the facility. It is, and it's so awesome that your dogs can detect them and prevent. I mean, that's a huge preventative measure for the safety of not only the officers and the staff at the correctional facility, but the innocent victims and other people that are out in the community. That is so cool. Yes, ma'am. Well, and I, I have to ask you another question, and that is, what happens when a dog is retired? How does the retirement process work? The retirement process for the New Mexico Department of Correction is where the canine officer, once we deemed a canine that meets the requirement criteria, uh, I'll make the decision for retirement. Um, then, of course, that canine officer has the first uh, opportunity to purchase the dog from the state for one dollar for retirement. So that cane officer will have that option to adopt the dog from from his duties. And uh, and nine out of ten times, the cane officers, of course, they adopt their their canine partner right away. Uh, if not, then of course uh, there's a big screening process, a big waiting list that the key, the canine has to go through to be be accepted into the adoption program that we have. Oh, that's great. Well, I am so glad to hear that, that the officers have the first chance to adopt their dog officially. That's awesome. Yes, I know that's, that's always a question people always want to ask me about my service dog. And I have to tell you, I have a service dog who's on the couch right now who's retired named Morgan. And I'm just so thrilled to hear that your dogs have that option, too. That's great. Yes, man. They live the good life is what we call it. Uh, the officer adopts a dog. The dog is deprogrammed from any kind of training they, they, they have due to the fact that they are going to a civilian house, a, a family. So we try as much as possible or is get that dog ready for the good life to, to relax and be retired. And uh, the nice thing with the state is we don't have any mandatory age that we put the dogs on when the dog just doesn't feel like he or she wants to work anymore, doesn't have that drive, then we'll make it necessary to maybe start looking for a retirement program or for a retirement program. Oh, that's great. Well, it has been so wonderful visiting with you, Anthony. Thank you so much for all of the the great information you've shared with us. And if any of our listeners are interested in contacting you to get more information about your classes or how they can become a canine officer, how can they contact you? They can contact me via cell phone 
If you have any questions, it's, uh, I'll go ahead and give you the number. It's 505-231-2692. And we also have a link to our uh, general web page. Also, they can go for any further information if they have any questions uh, about the New Mexico Department of Corrections. Wonderful. And we're going to have information about Anthony on our website at Working Like Dogs at PetLifeRadio.com. So that information will be listed there as well and how to contact Anthony Ramon. Great. Well, thank you so much for being our guest today. We hope you'll come back, Anthony, and talk to us more about the work that you're doing and all of your training and all the different activities that you have going on. You are a busy man. This will be my pleasure to come back, and, and yes, I am. <laughs> well, we'd also like to thank our producers for making Working Like Dogs possible, and we hope you'll come back and join us again. Thanks so much. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>